And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Doing the Work podcast. Tonight, we will take a look at two of the contenders, along with Indiana in the Big Ten women's race tonight, Iowa and Ohio State. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, here with my co-host, Kathy Amos, on Doing the Work, the newest show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. And as we do most shows, we start our show with our banner moment. Tonight's banner moment came yesterday as Grace Berger, Mackenzie Holmes, and Coach Terry Morin traveled to Minnesota for Big Ten Media Day. That means the season's just around the corner, and that's why it's our banner moment today. Our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You are bound to find something for you or as a gift as we near holiday season. So whether you want only IU gear or other college teams and now NFL, Homefield probably has something for you. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And then we're going to send it over to my co-host here, Kathy Amos. And for the Amos Angle, and Kathy... What's on your mind tonight? Nice. Thanks, Jeff. Um, hey, yeah, you know, I actually better at this. Sorry to interrupt. I know, I know. Just eventually, you know, it's going to sound like we actually know what we're doing. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, although I'm seeing in the chat that the music wasn't playing for them, so well, we played for ourselves. So good for us. <laughs> Maybe it'll come through on the download. But um, what's on my mind tonight? That's a great question. So we're inching ever closer to to the to the um, actual. Um, season starting. So I'm just super excited for that. Um, and I uh, kind of want to piggyback off of your media day. So I saw a clip on Twitter that Grace and um, McKenzie had out there where they were talking about why it was so hard for opponents to come into assembly call, excuse me, assembly hall and play. And they talked a lot about um, the depth perception and um, the fishbowl effect that they were, but they, they actually really talked about all of the fans. And I hope that, um, the show out that we had at Hoosier Hysteria keeps bubbling over into the women's program and we see more and more um, regularly big crowds coming to, to the um, games. Um, for me this year, unfortunately, I won't be able to go to a home game, but kind of building off of that, they at, were asked where is the hardest place to play on the road? And they said Purdue, mainly because there's no Indiana fans there. Ironically, I will be going to the game at Purdue and I'm bringing my husband, my mother and my sister in tow. So they at least besides their own family have four other Hoosiers um, there in Purdue um, Mackey arena to, to cheer them on. So I'm, I'm just excited, you know, things are, are going, we got tickets coming out for games. And um, I just hope that everyone really goes out and supports the, the ladies in Bloomington or wherever they can get to watch them. Yeah, I hope so. And I saw a little bit of that clip as well. I've I've been trying to catch up a little bit from the media day yesterday, but I did like the one thing that Terry Morin talked about. Actually, there were two things I heard Terry Morin mention in the highlights uh, about recruiting and the fact that really kind of they're going to keep, they believe that the portal and the recruiting of the four-year kid is, is going to kind of be their model going forward. They're, they're always looking for those kids that they can get and keep for a while, but they also realize that the portal is just, it's here to stay. And you also have to be, take advantage of it what's there. And I also like what she said about how they're trying to, they've been trying to build a tradition, build a brand, not just on the men's side. They want Indiana to have that on the women's side. So that's been their goal from day one. And it's been a process. And sometimes I'm sure fans don't understand it when you're building that. But I think you're starting to see now the last three, four years, the fruition of that coming, you know, coming to bear. And you hope it will continue to go forward as we move on beyond this year. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Kathy, <laughs> let's just jump right into it. Yeah, I, I don't have anything absolutely. else. I'm going to throw it to you first, because let's just talk a little bit first about, um, the Iowa Hawkeyes um, sure. coming back pretty much return everybody. Um, but uh, obviously they're, they're going to bring back the preseason player of the year and Caitlin Clark. Uh, and I, I will say this, I, I, I love to watch Caitlin Clark's game and I, and I hope I'm wrong, but I have a feeling this will be the last year we see her in a college atmosphere. She will be draft eligible at the end of the end of the season. <laughs> I hope not, but I, I know, you know, some of the realities of it. So, yeah. um, but let, I'm going to throw it over to you just, why don't you give us a little bit of a look at Iowa's roster? Because you kind of spent more time when we were getting ready for the show. We were talking off the air. You were, you were looking more at roster makeup. I was looking more at schedule. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm sure uh, most of our listeners probably already realize Iowa has been voted both by the media and the coaches for the hands down um, Big Ten uh, players, excuse me, winners this year for the conference. Um, right now, if you look at the preseason top 25 um, from Charlie Crean on ESPN, they're number five in the nation. So they're definitely not a, anything to, to take lightly, which we already knew from last year. And to Jeff's point, they literally return every player but two players from last year, and that includes all five of their starters. Um, so they have two people on their their roster, Caitlin Clark, obviously, but also Mon Monica Sinano. <laughs> um, both came back. Monica um, could have left as well, but she opted to come back for her fifth year, um, COVID year. Um, both of those players were named preseason All Big Ten team, um, as well as um, for preseason, also last year on the Big Ten All Team um, players as well. Um, obviously, they are probably the core for that team, but they also have um, McKenna Warnock coming back. She's a senior from Madison, Wisconsin. Last year, she was on the second All Big Ten team. You have Kate Martin, who's also a returning starter. She's a, also a red shirt senior from Illinois and Gabby Marshall for a senior from Cincinnati. So if you look at just their starters, five or excuse me, four of the five are seniors on their on their just their starting five. Um, so not only do they have people returning, but they're actually seasoned and experienced players, too. So they've been through the ringer. They know what they're doing. Um I found a podcast where somebody interviewed Caitlin Clark. And one of the things they asked her is after their loss last year to Creighton in the NCAA tournament, has she seen anything different with the team this year? And she said, what she is absolutely seeing is that in practice, they're actually even more competitive than they were last year, almost to the point where they're getting chippy with each other because you know, pardon the pun here, they have such a chip on their shoulder from losing last year and being so angry about losing early in the tournament, at least earlier than they expected, obviously, um, that they're really hitting it, hitting the floor hard as a team. So, um, I think those are some of the things that we should really just watch out for. I think, um, you know, they didn't lose a whole lot, obviously from their team. Um, the big question for me with Iowa, and you tell me if this is the same for you, <laughs> I think it's going to be defense again. I, we know they can score points. They can score points in a hurry. Um, they averaged last year, um, was it something like 80 points a game as a team? Somewhere around there? 84. I, I, yeah, there it, it, was, it was over 80. But the game they lost in the NCAA tournament, they were held in check. And that was kind of the argument we kind of had in some of the post-game shows. And we'll mention in here, I'll throw in Ari as well. Ari totally believed. I believed you had to run with them. I will admit, now, I, I, I was one who said you had to be able to score and run with them as my puppy is having a, a good time. Um, <laughs> good background, but, <laughs> but Ari said, no, you had to be able to slow them down offensively that they could be, they could, if you just locked up on them and you could match up with them, you could do, you could get them into a 50, high 50, low 60 game. Indiana was not able to do that last year. And a lot of it probably because Mac was hurt. And we'll get into this a little bit later as we talk about yeah. some of the matchups and our questions from the, the community. But um, we just didn't have a great matchup for Caitlin Clark last year. And, and, and so we weren't able, but Creighton did. And so that's why they got bounced early in the tournament. Right. Yeah. And, and I think uh, Sonano hurt us quite a bit last year as well, too, which to your point, most likely was a lot of it because Mac was hurt. Um, I think Ari, um, who's obviously well prominent in our chat and on Twitter and in our community, he pointed out on Twitter um, that not last year, but the year before when Mac was healthy, she was able to guard Sonano. Now, that was two years ago. Um, they're both different players. I think Sonano in particular has definitely improved since two years ago. So will she be able to, to replicate what she did two years ago defensively? That's probably one of our big questions, I think, to answer. Yeah, and I, and I think we'll save that for the end of the episode. As we get, as we said, we got a couple of questions about matchups. defensive matchups in, in the in the questions at the end. So I don't want to get too deep into that here. But I, we should point out that Sonano was a preseason All Big Ten selection as well. I don't remember if you mm -hmm. said that. I did. Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry, I missed it. And That's then, okay. like you said though, um, and they they come back with basically everybody, and you assume they're going to be better. I like as a coach. I like hearing what Caitlin Clark said from the standpoint that they're getting chippy to a certain degree. You want at this point, and you when you're that veteran a team, you want to see somebody else. You're tired of practicing against each other, playing against each other in the summer. So 
Yeah. And now, so I, 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 if I was Lisa Bluter, I, I would kind of like that mentality in my team at this point, but it's a long grind of a season and right. we'll see how that, you know, kind of plays out throughout the season. Um, um and Jeff, Jeff, go, ahead. If, go ahead. Yeah. To throw out the roster comments, um, I, I've talked about how they only lost two players. They did gain a junior transfer um, uh, from Central Michigan. Um, her name was Molly Davis. She actually led Central Michigan in scoring last year. She averaged 18.6 points per game. Now, I understand the MAC conference is quite different from the Big Ten, but clearly she knows how to score as well, which seems to be maybe a pretty good fit for Iowa as well. So that will be an interesting piece. Will she start? I, I would not expect that she would supplant five very senior starters coming in. Um, but I would say that coming off the bench, that's probably a pretty good weapon to have sitting there waiting to come in. Yeah. I, like I said, Lisa Bluter has, as far as I can tell, one of her more, her deepest teams, maybe not the most talented because she's had some very good teams, but this mm -hmm. is talented and it's deep. So uh, this is, this is going to be a team. I think that at least rightfully so in the preseason, you have to say they are the favorite to win the Big Ten title. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have anything else you want to add about the roster? No, I don't think so. I think I'm really that. I mean, it's just important for everyone to understand <laughs> that they really lost no one for the most part. And they gained a really great transfer and um, a, a, I think a fairly good incoming freshman too, although um, kind of hard to tell with freshmen, right? So. Yeah. And, and good programs don't necessarily have make or break year, or I should say make or break years or do or die years. But you kind of get the feeling this is this is Iowa's do or die year. You, you Sinano will be out of eligibility. Uh, uh, I believe Warnock's out of eligibility at the end of this year. Uh, I think most of I don't know about the transfers mm -hmm. in, but like I said earlier, you got to yeah, assume Caitlin, only a junior. Yeah. Caitlin Clark would be one that's probably would probably be looking at because if she has another year like she did last year, she's going to be either the number one pick or a top three, four pick in the WNBA draft going to be hard to turn down that kind of money, even though it's not, you know, it's not NBA money yet. It's getting better in the women's game. So you really feel like this is really Lisa Bluter and the Iowa Hawkeyes really best opportunity to make a deep, deep right. run. In the yeah, tournament. I think, I think three of their um, starters are seniors, but I would, I would believe they still have their, their COVID year. So they could come back for a fifth year. Right. I think COVID year is over after this year. I could be wrong. Is it? Okay. I bet maybe okay. Ari will let us know here in the chat. As yeah, we're, Ari, we're, correct us. Fact check us there, Ari. Um, but, um, but I, I, I guess I, I was looking more at the schedule, and and I was looking at Iowa's schedule, yeah. and of the contenders, yes, they may have the best schedule for winning the Big Ten because they play IU twice, Maryland twice, Nebraska twice. Now yes. those are who we got, and we're going to talk in the next episode next next week about kind of Nebraska and Maryland and Michigan, but then their other two teams that they play twice are Wisconsin and Penn State, who are expected to be at the bottom of the league. All right, so that's an issue to me. That's a plus for them. Then so that means they only play Michigan once. They only play OSU once. Now both of those are on the road. And that will, that's going to be that game at OSU may end up being very, very vital in terms of league standings and seating at the Big Ten tournament. But they get at home Purdue, who is going to, who I think can be a little bit of a spoiler. I'm not saying Purdue is mm -hmm. going to jump up into the top four in the league, but I think Purdue is going to be in that sixth or seventh range and could beat somebody, especially at Mackey. And, and, but to get Purdue at home and then they go to Illinois, who's supposed to be a bottom feeder and Michigan State, who we really don't know what they're going to have. But I would imagine they're going to be in the bottom half of the league. So to me, Iowa's schedule overall really benefits them, except for that game at OSU. But that's the only time they play the Buckeyes. Then I really dug in this because we talked a little bit about this a month or so ago. Uh, with Amanda Foster when she was on and talked about the IU schedule. And so I kind of compared it. If you look at the last six games, that's a gauntlet for IU, and we may come back and yeah. touch on that toward the end again. So I went and looked at yeah. Iowa's last six games. Iowa's last six games at Indiana, home with Rutgers, home with I or home with Wisconsin, at, at Nebraska, at Maryland, finish with IU. Now, assume you, yeah, yeah <laughs> and, and finish with IU and Iowa City. So again, yeah. it's balanced. It's three and three. So they don't yeah. have any. So you win your three home games. Well, now, you, you know, you got to think that um, 
if they can grab a win in West uh, uh, Maryland or Nebraska, but so their, their last six aren't easy, but it's a little bit easier than for yeah. example, I use and, and, and real quick, I'll give everybody I use last six again, just so everybody can recall. I use last six are Purdue, at Iowa Purdue. Yep. at Purdue home with Iowa at Ohio state home with Michigan home with Purdue at Iowa. I, yeah. I just yep. barely, I think you think those last six for Iowa are just a bit easier, but to me, yeah. the big thing for Iowa is getting Wisconsin and Penn state twice. All right. Compared to a Michigan or an Ohio state. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, can we back up and talk a little bit about their non-conference schedule? Um, oh, yeah. I found that very interesting, both, and then we'll get into Ohio State as well. Uh, and we talked it for Indiana. We have two ranked teams that we're playing um, in the terms of Tennessee and North Carolina. Um, for Iowa, they definitely have two ranked teams. They have on December 1st, number 11, NC State, and on December 7th, number 9, Iowa State. The interesting thing is that at the end of November, they're going to a, a tournament, and they have the potential there to face UConn, who's number 6 right now. Um, and that that ranking is after um, Paige Becker was hurt. She's number, Iowa, uh, UConn's number 6 right now. No, no, but I mean, or Duke. So that's oh, neither, or Duke. Sorry, yeah. so it's <laughs> you said Duke, I think you said, um, no. or number so two. <laughs> and the game before is against an Oregon State squad that has not been bad. Yeah. So you know, it, they weren't. You know, so you know, that's not. You know, so give them some, give them some props. But I was kind of. I, I, I interrupt you, Kathy. Go ahead. Nope, that was it. I was, I was finished. <laughs> but I also thought, and maybe, maybe this is just. I, I don't know. There's used to be, didn't Iowa? Was there some law or something like that in Iowa where like they're supposed to play all the state schools or like because I noticed they've got Drake on the they got Drake on the schedule, um, they've got they got Evansville. Yeah, and but they, they don't got, have Northern Iowa, right? Yeah, they do. They got Northern on December eighteenth. Oh, okay. It's after they've gone back. Okay, got it. Yeah. So like I think they okay, play so every. They do play. Mm-hmm. They played pretty much every team in Iowa. And again, you get into that Iowa state game where Bill Finelli is a very good coach as well. Yeah. And so that's one of those, you know, I think that, yeah, they're non-conference, but yeah, they're, but again, they're going to get a very good NC state team at home in Iowa city in the challenge. And then um, I was trying to see, um, and then, but then in the Iowa state game is also in Iowa city. So it seems like yeah. they're tough games. Or at home this year, except for that right. for that those games out in Portland where they play Oregon State and then either the winner, you know, depending upon what they do, Duke or Connecticut. Yeah. Um, real quick to go back to what we were, uh, what I was surmising, um, Ari here in the chat has confirmed that um, McKenna Warnock and um, Gabby Marshall both have their COVID year next year yet if they would want to use it. So that's two of their starters. So right now we know for sure um, Sonano is completely out of eligibility. And then um, as you're surmising, if <laughs> Caitlin Clark has another year, she'll go pro. So right. they could at least get two or three more starters back next year yet even. At some point, we got to be about done with COVID years, though, aren't think, we? Like, we have to, right? Um, so looking here, like at Kate Martin, her first year was 2019-2020, so that would have been right, you know, before the, COVID, COVID, the, so. the beginning, of, the end of her freshman year would have been COVID. Exactly. So um, anyway, back to your point, though, of the games being on the road. And I just, again, want to point out, again, for our listeners who are maybe new to um, women's basketball or new to what's going on with Iowa women's basketball specifically, um, if you watched um, some of their games last year, especially towards the end of the year, they were not just having large crowds for women's basketball, but they were selling out their arena. And I fully expect, and I can report back on this probably next week, because, um, again, for those who maybe haven't listened before. I don't know. I do live in Des Moines. Um, so I am planning to go to the game. That's the last game of the year in Iowa city tickets go on sale tomorrow. Um, I have my calendar mark. I plan on buying two tickets right away. So I'll let you know how fast those tickets are going. (laughs) If they're going as fast tomorrow for, especially for that game. Um, I would think we would expect not just large crowds at the end of the year, but coming into it because they are really hyped. There's a lot of, you know, good information out on websites, a lot of people that are writing about them. They're in the news here a lot. Um, It's not just people that follow women's basketball, but they have a huge amount of press that's coming for them. So I think those home games are going to be very important for them. 
and that helps that you have a player of the talent of Caitlin Clark that, yeah. you know, that helps draw at least that media buzz. And that's going to help with your crowd. I, obviously we talked about this when we went over the IU schedule. If people missed that episode, if you're the big 10 conference, you are desperately hoping that that game in Iowa city at the end of the season with IU and Indiana is for the conference title for the number one seed in the big 10 tournament, possibly a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and, and, or, or I said number one seed in the big 10 tournament and number one and possibly in the NCAA tournament, make sure I said that right. And right. then <laughs> you can get that on some kind of national TV, whether, you know, it's an ESPN and FS one, something to where you can get, you know, and then show that crowd. Um, and cause I, it, I would imagine that place will be packed. If that game is as big as we're all hoping it will be, that place will be packed. It will be loud and it will be, it will take everything coach Morin and those kids have those players yeah. have to be able to walk out of there with a win. That's just going to be a a tough environment. I will go back one thing and say, I I may have crossed over. Real quick, Jeff, it's scheduled for ESPN two right now, the Iowa Indiana game in February in the end of February one, the one in Iowa city. So go, I will go back. I I, maybe I glossed over this. They do have to go to Michigan. Now I'm not one who thinks Michigan is going to be a top four team, but one of the media or the coaches had them in the top four or five in the preseason poll. I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back. I'm not saying they're going into eighth, ninth place. I just don't, not sure they're going to be a top three or four team. I think they're around fifth, sixth, maybe even seventh right there, depending upon how things go for them. And we'll see as, you know, we'll talk about them as we get more into the season, but Michigan can be, a, if you go up now, the one thing Iowa did struggle with a little bit last year, except in Indiana, their mm-hmm. offense seemed to kind of betray them on the road at times. They they could go into games where they had some droughts on the road and they, in some of their toughest games, what, even if they, the games they won were games on the road that they really struggled to, you know, to, to put points on the board or, or to be the offensive juggernaut that they were most of the season. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I agree with you, though, um, Jeff, when I um, looked at single plays versus double plays, like their single plays, like as I was listing them out, really just stuck out to me right away for some of their first games of a single player, Michigan, Ohio State and Michigan State. So and then Purdue. So it's like, well, you have four of the teams that are probably not expected to finish at the bottom um, who you don't really know. Ohio State is obviously one that's, you know, picked either second or third, which we'll get to them. Um, is a tough one and they get them only once. So yeah, I, yeah. I thought their, their big 10 draw was a little more balanced um, than Indiana's was for sure. And, and just to remind our listeners and people who are watching live on YouTube here, the workaholics in the chat who are being really good tonight um, <laughs> that uh, Indiana's double plays are Ohio state, Iowa, who were either right with them or above them in the preseason poll, Purdue, which is, we saw last year was not an easy place for them to play. And I agree with with Grace Berger and Mackenzie Holmes about that being a tough place to play. Michigan, those are four of their doubles. The other one is Illinois, who again yeah. we all expect to be at the bottom. But then their one, the best, the, the probably the one that they got lucky with is Maryland, is they only play once, and that's in Bloomington. All right. So as far as the really good teams that they only get to play once, Maryland's the only one, but it's going to be at home. Their road games, actually, I think now this could be a positive for IU that their road games, their one-time road games are at Penn State. That really shouldn't be an issue. At Northwestern, who I think, again, is going to be in the bottom half of the league. You just got to make sure you take care of business. Minnesota, who has been some, you know, obviously been a very good program, but lost a lot. And so, again, I think it's going to be in the bottom half of the Big Ten. And then at Michigan State. So their road games of of their ones, Maybe a little easier than some of the others, but you still got to win those games on the road, even against the teams that you expect to be in the bottom right. half of the league. And at least we do only play Nebraska once too. So, and yes, and by and that game's at home. Thank you for mentioning. Yes. And that game's yeah. at home. So, so, yes. um, so, okay. um, anything else you want to add about the Hawkeyes? I think we've talked about them more than we should have. <laughs> nah, maybe, but you know, that's what we're here for is to get our fans ready for the season and the opposition too. So, let's talk about the Buckeyes, Ohio yeah. State. And again, I'm going to mess it up. So I'm just going to say in one preseason poll, they were second. Indiana was third. The other preseason poll had IU second, Ohio State third. Yeah. Coaches had the number two, media number three. There you go. Yeah. Nationally, they're right now number 17. Which is just below Indiana. They're below Indiana, I believe, in the the preseason kind of too early top 25, right? 
Um, I think we are moved up to 10. Yeah, I just thought we were 10 yes. or 11. We, not much. I think we were 11, like way many months ago before we should have been doing rankings. And then the last one was 10. So, yeah. So pretty much the same. Um, do you want me to do the same? You want me to kind of give a yep. quick overview of their roster? So um, their two notable players coming back are JC Sheldon. She's a senior guard from Ohio. She led the team last year in scoring at just under 20 points per game. She was on the all big 10 first team, as well as the defensive team from last year. She is also on the preseason all big 10 team for this year. Um, the other person coming back is Taylor Mikesell. She's a super senior guard um, from Oregon. Um, she was second in the team on scoring last year at 18.6 um, per game. Um, she's actually a, a transfer. First, she played two years at Maryland. I thought that was interesting. Transferred out to Oregon, played a year there, and then finally transferred to Ohio State last year. So this is her third team, um, her second year with Ohio State. Um, according to uh, like a player overview I found from an Ohio State um, web website, fan-based website, um, she is expected to start again, obviously, but they're expecting her to play around 35 to 40 minutes and average around 20 points per game. So actually increasing her, her um, production in terms of points. Um, you also have two other returning starters. So Ohio State returns four of their five starters from last year. And um, also in terms of notable returnees is the gal named um, Madison Green. She redshirted last year because of injuries that she sustained I'm going to get the years wrong in the 2021 season. So mm -hmm. not last year, but she actually hurt herself so bad. Yep. The previous season, she ended up redshirting last year. If I recall, she got hurt right at the end of the 21 season or, you know, regular season, or maybe even in the right. tournament. And so, but yeah, she set out. And so realistically they could have, this is another team that could have had five starters possibly coming back Absolutely. if Madison Green had played last year. Yes. And so she is expected to be another high level defender for the team. And she is expected to take that four starting spot. So they will most likely look at potentially starting three guards. Um, in terms of other newcomers uh, or other people coming back, um, no one of a whole lot in terms of if you're looking at points per game to note, but they do have three other players coming back. And then they have five newcomers coming in. Um, they have a couple transfers, a graduate transfer from American University. She only started two games last year for American and then Ebony Walker, who is an interesting transfer. She is coming from Arizona State by way of Syracuse. So she only appeared in six games at Syracuse last year um, because she had an undisclosed injury. Um, the thing I was reading, though, which I either had forgotten or never realized, but something happened with Syracuse program at the end of last year where their coach was accused of a lot of things and they ended up losing 12 players. So when you have an undisclosed injury, we're not quite sure what happened there, but when you go back to her Arizona state games, she did start in some of those games there when she um, was a sophomore there. So she, there's some projections at this, that Ebony Walker could be coming off of the bench and being quite strong actually for Ohio state. Um, and then in terms of who they lost from their starter, it was um, Kate, Katery pool. She had started 13 games um, and she ended up transferring out. So um, again, a pretty strong overall roster coming back for Ohio State. They didn't really lose a whole lot of production. They have, again, a really good senior starting class coming back. And then I think the wild card for them is going to be Madison Green. How is she going to be after, you know, taking over a year off from playing competitive basketball? Because as we know, it's one thing to play games, pick up games with your your teammates or people on the court or in practice, it's very different to do it in an environment um, with other teams that maybe you're not used to and the crowd and everything else. And plus, I'm not quite sure. I think it was an ACL. Is that right, Jeff? Do you remember? I'm injury? pretty sure. Don't quote me for 100% on that. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure either. I think ACL, how is she going to feel with that, that knee then coming back? So those are a little bit couple of the unknowns for Ohio State compared to if we were talking about Iowa, we pretty much know exactly what we're getting with Iowa. Um, Ohio, Ohio State may be a couple question marks. Well, and and let's remind our fans, this was the team that was technically the Big Ten champion last year. They were the number one yes, seed in the, in the Big Ten tournament um, that we were able to beat, if I recall correctly. I'm trying to remember the Big Ten tournament. We beat them in the semis. Um, and then before losing to Iowa in the final, gosh darn Iowa. Um, yeah, we swept Ohio State last year, right? Yeah, Beating which, twice in regular season. Yeah, and I think a lot of that to me, the their biggest, and you you said it, but I, and I will say it as well as an X factor because you just don't know. But to me, Madison Green coming back gives them something they didn't have last year because she's a natural point guard. She's a yeah, she's a point you. guard by trade. 
And yet last year, Coach Kevin McGuff, and I and I and I have a lot of respect in terms of the things that Kevin McGuff does. I don't know anything about him personally, personality anything, but I just know the schemes they do, the things they run. I've I've been a big fan of his, but even before he got to Ohio State. And so they they have, you know, so but he had to plug in somebody into that point guard spot that you know probably wasn't a natural for it, or at least it wasn't Madison green level point guard. So I think that's going to be, if she's healthy, that is really going to give them an extra mention. And as you mentioned, she's seen as a better defender than some of the other players on Ohio state and kind of like a Nikki Cardano Hillary kind of, you know, excellent point guard can score a little bit, but also brings that defensive, you know, tenacity to it. So to me, that's really that S factor. I, I, I agree with yeah. you though, that you look at those top two, especially JC Sheldon, that this yeah. is another team that has the ability to put points on the board in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the things, um, you know, the interesting thing I think with Ohio state is they really kind of felt like they run under the radar um, and then benefited from a really easy big 10 schedule at the end of the year to end up tying with Iowa for the regular season. So um, I, I, I'm not discounting at all what they did. Obviously we didn't tie it with Iowa for first, so I'm not discounting that at all, but sometimes just the way the schedule breaks can really make a huge difference in the conference standings when it's as tight as the big 10 was last year. And I fully expect it will be the, again this year. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing you look at and you take advantage of your schedule. You, you, you can't change the schedule once, once you get there, you play the schedules in front of you. And, and, and if you only get to play a couple a team once that you, you can't do anything about, it. but did Ohio state end up basically with a little bit easier schedule than the other top contenders last year? Yeah. But that's why we're talking about this. You and I kind of learned from this last year doing the post-game shows and stuff that schedule matters. And, yeah. and, and let's also remind our fans as Richie did this in the com- in the comments earlier in the workaholics, because of the COVID issue Indiana had last year, they ended up playing about six games in 12 days. And two of those were Iowa pretty much back to back. And so that had a lot to do with it. So, but Ohio state benefited from schedule and, and, and timing. And, and, and I, and coach Tonsoni says this a lot on, on, on the assembly call show. It's not so much who you play. It's when you play. And that's why to me, those last six games, because that's, to me, that's where the Big Ten title is going to be won this year. It's going to be won in those last six games. I doubt anybody runs out to an 11-0, and 10-1 start. So you're going to, whoever ends up winning is going to be the team that can play the best down the stretch. And, man, when you look at, like, Indiana's six compared to Iowa's, it's a little bit tougher, but you, it, it's, it's there. Everybody that we're talking about, barring injuries, hopefully nobody has it. I want to see teams be healthy. Yeah, I want to see teams be 100%. But it's going to be right down to the wire. And we're just, we want IU to be in that mix as well. So I'll start out with the schedule, unless you got anything else you want to add about personnel. No, I I did just mention, I forgot to mention that their other starter they lost was Braxton Miller. So um, she was the one who actually started most of the games. She didn't, in terms of scoring, she wasn't a lot, but she had a lot to contribute in terms of minutes. So she did average 30 minutes a game. So I I missed, I missed that in my notes. So sorry about that. Mm -hmm. So looking at their schedule and I'll kind of go the opposite way here, since you, you, you got it to me last time. Um, yeah. You look at their preseason schedule or their their non-conference schedule, I guess I should say. This isn't the pros. There's no preseason. Uh, their know. non-conference <laughs> schedule, uh, they're, they play Louisville in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and that game will be in Louisville. So that will be a, a good road game for them early on to kind of judge where they are in terms of because we expect Louisville to be a top five, top ten team. Yeah, they're number seven well. right now. Yeah, yeah. and so um, – and then – other than and then they will also in December they go to uh, did you see November 8th uh, oh I missed that I, I yeah. skipped right away you're right they oh they do they start off with Tennessee at home That's their first regular season game back yes. up one more to their exhibition they play Notre Dame for their exhibition that, game yeah but it says Notre Dame College that's oh, I Notre, missed that. That's okay. not University of Notre Dame. I saw Notre Dame and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're playing that. Now, I think that's why I skipped mind. over because I thought that was another like exhibition <laughs> yeah. game. So yeah, they start out with Forget Tennessee. Forget me, go on to Tennessee. <laughs> which will be interesting for Indiana because right. they, Indiana plays at Tennessee six days later, if I remember the exact date. I think it's six days later in, in, yes. in Knoxville. So Tennessee going out on the road. So again, there's two teams going to find something out about themselves right off the bat. But again, we, you, you go to Louisville, you're going to have an idea of where you're at. And then... They go in December, right before Christmas, they go to San Diego. They'll play South Florida. And I don't know much about South Florida, 
But then the, the, the second game out there could be Arkansas or Oregon. Now, Arkansas right. has been a decent SEC team. They haven't been at the top of the SEC, but Mike Neighbors, the coach at Arkansas, really good coach, had been at Washington for several years before he went to Arkansas. That we And then, obviously, we've talked a little bit about Oregon. Oregon, again, Sydney Parrish coming back from Oregon, benefiting IU. But it, it's just, you know, Oregon has been pretty good these last eight, nine years. And so I would expect if they you see Ohio State and Oregon matching up, that that will be a another top 10 top 15 type matchup and yeah. again so a good road you know good non-conference game for the Buckeyes and then you look at their big 10 season they <laughs> yeah, get here are their way. doubles IU <laughs> Michigan Maryland right they get Minnesota and Northwestern twice now not necessarily bottom feeders in the league but probably not teams in the top third of the league so yeah. you would think that benefits them a little bit, but it should be, it's going to be a little tougher schedule than they had last year, Kathy. Then their singles are, we've already mentioned, all right, they get Iowa at home, which could be huge in a tiebreaker. You know, you get the one win that, you know, in a, you know, let's say they end up both 13 and five, but Ohio state, whoever gets that wins that game is going to have the tiebreaker for the seating. And then yeah. um, they get Illinois at home, but their road games, at Nebraska is probably their only tough road game in the Big Ten. They go to Rutgers, to Wisconsin, to Penn State. So, they're to me their schedule is somewhere in between Indiana or, or I use actually somewhere in between Iowa and Ohio State in terms of difficulty here. So, but these three, you know, I think if you had to say it, well, I take it back. Let me rephrase that. If I had to say it from an E standpoint, Iowa, Ohio State, Indiana at this point, just in in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. The only thing is, you know, again, uh, they only get Iowa um, once. So the the nice thing I I guess for them is, that, like you mentioned, is at at home, and it's late January. So by then, hopefully, you you know who your team is, you know who Iowa's team is coming in. Um, so the benefit for them there is that having that in late January as well. But yeah, it's 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 unfortunate we don't get to see those two teams match up twice because I, I think they, they could be a fun matchup to, to see. And then let's go back to their last six. I made a point yep. of this and, and I, I want to make sure I'm consistent here because I do believe it is when you play. So here's their yep. last six at Maryland, home with Minnesota, home with Indiana, at Penn State, at Michigan, home with Maryland. So they do get Maryland twice in those last six games. And that could be, that, that could be huge. But again, having Maryland on that at home that last weekend of the season, I think will be a plus for them. But so again, I'm not sure it's as tough as Indiana's schedule and, but maybe a, a little tougher than Iowa's down the stretch. So, but again, I think at the end of the day, this is what we want as fans. We want to see teams like these three right there in this mix, hopefully, you know, battling it out. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think their last six games, especially if you're comparing just the three teams we've talked about, us, yeah. Indiana, Iowa, and Ohio State, I think their last six games are way easier. Um, the only, as of right now, ranked team in those six is us, and they play play us at Ohio State in that, that last game stretch. So, um, you know, Maryland's... Um, and Minnes excuse me, Maryland and Michigan in particular to me are kind of wild cards because they have such a yeah. different looking team from last year. It's hard for me to, to grasp and put my head around going, well, I Maryland has historically been pretty good, but they lost a lot. So will they be there again? Maybe by February 5th when they play the first time. And Michigan, same, same thing there. They've historically been pretty good, but they lost Nas Hillman as example and other players. I don't really know enough about the players coming in for me to feel like I know what they're going to be like come February. Either. I, I totally agree about Michigan as a wild card. That's why I was mentioning them earlier. I don't think they're yeah. a top four team. I Maryland, know. I think can be, I, I can be. they lost a lot. I'm they sorry. Maryland is 15th right now. I like, Ma but Maryland yeah. did, but, but Brenda freeze was very sick for all the stuff they had going on early in the spring with people, kids leaving, making some comments she was very successful in the portal, bringing in some kids. The girl from Princeton, her name escapes me right now, but they almost beat IU in the, the uh, second round game in Bloomington, transferred to Maryland. So that's a kid that we're going to see that we've seen that as fans we saw playing for Princeton last year. So, and I, yeah. and I like Brenda Freeze as a coach. Again, I'm not, and when I say that, I'm not talking about personality, anything. I know nothing about what coach. happens in that locker room. Yes. <laughs> but from what she's done, what she, know, what she does schematically, they play well. Abby Myers. 
Thanks, Ari. Abby yeah. Myers is a gal from Princeton that is yeah. um, uh, transferred. Yeah. So. Yeah, and boy, she can write up. So uh, let me correct myself in case people must. Say, I said that no one was ranked. Maryland is currently ranked right now. So um, I, that definitely is um, a team, I guess, that could be making some noise there too. So, yeah. um, interesting. Yeah. This has been fun. Next week, hey, everybody's got to come back next week because next week we're doing Nebraska and Michigan and Maryland. It, so you know, you want to do all three next week? Yeah, why not? We'll, get, we'll knock them off. Well, we need to get Nebraska in there too. Did you? That's say what that? I said. Nebraska, oh. Michigan, Mar- or maybe just Nebraska, Maryland. Yeah, let's do Nebraska and Maryland. There we go. So, hey, so you know, okay, <laughs> are, are there from what we talked about? For we've been, yeah, we're just doing our own thing. We run the show. It's our show. We do. Um, but um, so, Kathy, any lingering questions here about Iowa or Ohio State that you you know want to talk about? You know, I don't Are any new ones now. I'm sorry. No, no, um, not new ones. Right. I mean, they're the same ones (laughs) and we won't see it. And so we get people on the court and seeing it again, you know, there, I think again, if you're comparing like Iowa and Indiana in terms of on paper, it's really hard to know what's going to happen with those two teams because Iowa is such a veteran returning team. It's very much cohesive from last year to this year compared to us where we have seven newcomers into the program that not played together. So it, that's still to me, the biggest question is how we're going to gel and then how you're going to take our newcomers and match them up with some of these teams who are very veteran and have played together. Some of them, you know, now three years or so even together. So I don't have any lingering questions or new ones from that. I'm sorry. I have a lot of lingering. They're just the same ones. <laughs> um, what it was, I knew Iowa was returning a lot of firepower. I knew all their starters were coming back. I think for me, the biggest surprise was that almost their entire bench was coming back. And then of course I knew about their transfer from central Michigan coming in. Um, so that, that was to me, the surprising thing. Um, I was also, I realized Ohio state was going to be very good. I was also surprised at how much firepower they are also bringing back. Cause I knew they were returning a number of players, but until I dug into the details and really looked through the roster. So I could understand more now why, um, they were picked by the coaches to be big 10 number two team. I can understand that. Cause again, the coaches are probably looking at Indiana they don't know how the pieces are going to fit together either. So, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I was, I was going to piggyback off that. You, there's still a lot of the same lingering questions until we see teams on the floor. But when you think about the depth, uh, Iowa and Ohio State bring back a lot of the same kids from last year, a lot of the same players uh, and, and, and are deep. Indiana can be deep. It's just that we're going to have to see how the new pieces work in. This is not last year where Indiana was really returning pretty much the entire five top six kids that we that we were used to seeing. Um, now you basically, the only real holdovers you have are Grace and McKenzie. Now, Coley Moore McNeil played well at the end of the season, you know, in a, in a, in a role. Um, but you're really starting, but what you got to find out with Indiana is if we're as deep as we think we are, that means Sarah Scalia, Alyssa Gary, yep. Sydney Parrish, Chloe Moore McNeil, Caitlin Peterson, uh, Yarden Garzon are all making big contributions. And now you're up to an eight or nine person. You're talking about eight or nine people. Yeah. And you know, the nice thing, I guess, um, for us, <laughs> two things, uh, not just us, but all of the big 10 or anybody that plays Iowa for that matter with all of them returning, they have so much tape. They could be watching right now on them. Right. Well, um, and they have, <laughs> yeah. And you know, they have been, you know, they haven't, especially for us losing to them three times. Um, we also got, um, one of the coaches, assistant coaches from Creighton, and I'm still hopeful that she can remember the secret sauce that they had <laughs> in this NCAA tournament yeah. and bottled some of that up and brought it over to teach the players. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and we, and Keonda Brown, by the way, people are making sure they don't want us to forget Keonda. Nobody is forgotten. Well, I'm, I'm not forgetting Keonda, but I'm not sure. I, I'm one that thinks Keonda's role may get reduced a little bit this year, just too. with who, what's been brought in. Now, I could be wrong, but yeah. I just I, I think it's going to be a more athletic lineup uh, built around four out one, and not necessarily a Mike Woodson four out one in, but just more guard and perimeter oriented than we've been in the past. Um, the other thing too, we we're talking about with. Um, the, the the other team's depth and you're talking about Kay, or the film talking about film yeah they're watching it but if i'm lisa bluter 
I'm going out and I'm, I'm picking the brains of uh, maybe even some pro coaches and like, what do you do to get your stars open? Cause you can expect teams to start and they were last year, but to try to do different things defensively against Caitlin Clark to try and take away her rhythm, take the, not let her get the ball. So what kind of things do you do when teams are doing this to your, you know, to your superstar? Um, right they're not going to change a whole lot of what they do. She's not going to schematically change. Lisa Bluter's run pretty much the same stuff for as long as I can remember. Um, it, but it's generally it's been a lot of post heavy stuff. It, it, it's her better players have been a Megan, Megan Gustafson, those types yep. of kids, a, a Sonano Clark's a little bit of the anomaly being that athletic and that good on the perimeter for some of Lisa's teams, coach Bluter's team. So anyway, yep. so um, let's hit the mailbag here. If you, unless yeah, you got something, yeah, you we bring had some good, good interactions this year, uh, this time or this week on Twitter yeah, and in the and, private community. So, so I, and I think I got all the questions off the community and Twitter, but they really kind of were all the same question about break it down yeah, since they were asking in a couple different ways. This one's from Phil and Richie and others in the community and, and on Twitter who guards Clark and Sonata. Yeah. Um, Gosh, there is a lot of good conversation, a lot of different opinions. I think the the easy one we can start with is Sonano. I, I, I think McKenzie is going to guard her, um, and then maybe can't, and then counter Browns who and uh, McKenzie needs to go out for Ross. I, I think that's who the two we're going to see on her. But Clark, boy, how many different names did we see thrown around on Twitter and in the community? I, I think I saw at least four different players mentioned. So for me. And my mind where I'm sitting right now is Chloe Moore McNeil. I thought Chloe's defense last year really started coming on very strong as she was getting more playing time, as she had that, you know, flip switch that she's talked about in her media press conference and um, got more confidence. And confidence is such a big thing in basketball, not just on shooting, but it is on defense as well. And I also picked her because I think she has the length. I think she has the speed to be able to keep up with her. And she has said in several interviews already this offseason that one of the things she is focusing on getting better at is defense. Um, so to me, I, I I think I would put Chloe on her first. Yeah, and I think a lot of it depends on who you start. Now, I know Ari's showing up in the chat here with his starting five, and we've talked about our five before, <laughs> so I'm not getting too deep into that again. No. But I think it all comes down to who starts. If Chloe starts, to me, that's who yeah. you put on her. Um, if Chloe starts, I think that means you're seeing Grace Berger play more of a one. And I'm not saying a traditional one, but just she'll be more of that facilitator, the ball handler to initiate things. Um, if a Sydney Parrish starts instead of Chloe, I, I could see Grace getting the, the initial assignment. But I think what you do with Cook. Caitlin Clark is it's a wave. You just run different people at her. And and whether it's I, and, and by the way, also who knows? Garden might be starting before this by the time we get to that point in the season. So you could put her on there. So I think it's a combination of Chloe Mormenio, uh, Grace Berger, uh, a Yarden Garzon. Um, uh, I'm forgetting somebody in here who I'd want to put on her. You you could even maybe put a Sydney Parrish on her for a short period of time. And I'm not sure Sydney has the foot speed for it, but I think she'd have some of the length to at least give her some trouble for a, for a few minutes here and there. I wouldn't want to see it for 10, 12 minutes at a time, but to right. get two or three minutes, but that to me, that's what I would do. I just keep running people to guard her every two, three minutes, switching it up who it is and try to tire her out because she's not going to come out of the game very often, but I can rotate my defensive assignments on her a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, and what, I, uh, and what about Sonato? And that kind of takes us into the second question here. How would you like to see us try and guard Sonato this year? Obviously, Mac was hurt last year, but we had no answer for Sonato, which is really what killed us in those games. Her and Clark are probably the toughest duo to try and defend in the women's game. Do, you know, do you agree? So let's answer the first question about how do you guard Sonato, and that came from Craig Spillman. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know how to answer this other than Mac's just going to have to to get physical with her. Um, you know, she, she's a little bit, um, I don't know about height wise, but at least in terms of, you know, body and strength, she looks a little bit stronger and bigger than Mac, at least last year she did for sure. And how do you double her? I, I don't think I would double. You think you yeah. would, you would double her? I, I would change it up. That's to me. And I'm not sure Terry will, I'm not sure coach Moran will, but I think that's what I would do. I would change it up. I would play her straight up man to man and, and go let Mac or whoever go one-on-one -on -one with her in the post. I would three quarter her. I might even front her a few possessions. I would definitely double down on her uh, a few possessions at a time. I do anything I can to try and get her out of the room. The other thing, right. and this goes I think back I to would you almost just more cheat back on her as opposed to, yeah. to just straight out. But, but again, yeah. with their talent level, who do you cheat back off of? Right. 
that's your problem there. Now, what you do, in my opinion, is you double from the weak side and hopefully you get to it before she can square and see and skip it out. Because if she sees right. you coming and she skips it out, you're toast. But yep. I, I, I also the weak side that helps alleviate that then. Yeah. And the other thing yeah. is, if Mac is going to guard her one on one or whoever guards her one, they've got to do a better job of getting her off the block. And I think last year that had something to do with Mac's injury. But she got too deep on the block. And once she got there, she was hard to move. You have yeah. to get Nano farther away the from block. the basket. Yeah, you have to get her off the block. Yeah. Um, so Queen says he doesn't even worry about Sonano as much as I do Clark. Um, I don't. I don't know, Quang. I think I I I worry about them equally. <laughs> um, well, it seemed like in the game in Bloomington, I think it was Sonano got off to a better start than Clark did, but maybe I've got the games reversed a little bit. But yeah, I seemed like there was a point in one of those games sure. where Sonano really carried them for a while. Yeah, it was one of those two games. I can't remember. The one at home was where we got down by a cabillion points, right? And then almost yeah, like, came back. Like um, and the, when it was in Iowa City, we seemed to play them a little stronger from the very beginning. So I, I think it was the one at home that um, Clark and Sonano both just got off to a really strong start. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think you, we got to try to keep her off of the block and getting position. Um, how you do that? I don't know. That's why I'm not a coach, I guess. <laughs> what, do you, I, I'm not sure I can answer the second part of Craig's question there about whether they're the toughest duo to try and guard. I don't know enough about some of the other teams in, in the, in the, in the, in the game, but I will say they're probably the toughest duo in the big 10 this year to guard. Right. I, I would say that in the Big Ten for sure. Um, and and now I'm yeah. going to go to this next. Again, these were all kind of the same question, Kathy. I'll kind of give it to you. Uh, this came from Indy Strohs on Twitter. Last year, IU owned OSU, but obviously struggled with Iowa. What's the chance it flips this year with more bodies to throw at Sonano, but maybe not as much on D for Sheldon and Mike Sell? Seems like hmm. Clark is going to get her. Sonano going off killed us against Iowa. Nikki ball hawking guards you know, will certainly be missed. Hoping Scalia is more than a shooter. I think she is. And good team D can still contain high scoring guards. Maybe. What do you think? Could Is a Sarah Scalia capable of taking on uh, a, a Caitlin Clark assignment for a short period of time? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, and I'm going to go off of some comments from Coach Morin when we had IU Media Day, I think it was. She had, Someone had asked her about Sarah, and she said that coming in, she was really expecting Sarah to come in and be able to shoot the lights off, which we, if anyone watched Who's Her Hysteria, she absolutely can. Um, that was completely backed up in the three-point shooting contest. Um, but what surprised Coach was that she was um, – a willing defender, I think was the phrase that she used. And again, sometimes defense is not just much about skill, but it's about willing to put yourself out there and get down and get dirty in, in your defensive stance and do what needs to be done. That bodes well to me for Sarah. Now, does that mean I think she's going to be good enough by the time we play Iowa in February? Maybe, right? And she's, she's an interesting person to, to think about. I well, think to me, um, I, I was guessing... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. You go for it. Well, I, I was, I, and I'm sorry. I do that too much. I interrupt you, and you know, you, no, you're, you're, fine. You, you're good with it, and I should stop doing it, though. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I can think, interrupt you back, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's <laughs> part. I just, we're getting better at this show all the time, yeah. you know. Um, I just think that the thing about it's hard to say exactly how good a defender Scalia was at Minnesota because every team has a different philosophy defensively. And I know it's man to man zone, whatever. I get that, but what I'm saying is, what's the emphasis in practice? It do you, you know, if you were Minnesota, do you try and protect a Sarah Scalia because she was such a big time scorer for you? So you don't have her match up defensively. Whereas I think she know coming in when she transferred in, I'm sure Terry Moore said, you're going to play deep. If you want to play right. here, yep. you're going to play our philosophy and we don't shy away from what we do. So I think Sarah will be a willing defender. It's a matter of whether she has the foot speed, the lateral quickness, but tenacity, as you said, can overcome a lot of that on the defensive end. Right. Absolutely. The other thing I thought from this um, question from, I think you say it, Indy, Indy Stros. Um, Indy Stros is what I'm figuring. It must be an okay. Astros fan or something. Got it. So he was, he was actually wondering if it was be flipped right this year that maybe we struggle more with Ohio state than Iowa. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I don't either. I think Ohio state is actually a better matchup for us still. Um, does that mean I'm sitting here today saying we're going to sweep them like we did last year? No. Um, if you listen to our schedule breakdown, I had said then I think we split the games with them. Um, I, I still think mm -hmm. Iowa is just a nightmare of a matchup for us. Um, 
So th that I'm still there. And the other thing is now you go back to talking about, let's go back to Sonano real quick. Cause again, that's an interesting matchup as well. You assume, okay. So let's play Mackenzie Holmes on her, but Mackenzie's still going to need some rest or possibly get in foul trouble. Can Alyssa Geary guard her for a little bit? Um, right. Be a little Keandra smaller. Brown. It'd be a tougher Keandra matchup. Brown. You have Keandra Brown who has shown that she will at least battle on the post against yeah. a Sonano type player. Um, to me, it may be one of those games where you just have to use one of the freshmen like a Meister or, 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 and the other one that might be interesting here, she'd probably give up a little size and strength, but you mentioned mm -hmm. this in the Twitter feed garden has professional experience. She's yeah. played at the professional level in Israel. Could you have a six, three garden try to take her if you had to, hmm. and, and for a couple minutes here and there on Sonata, I mean, I know you're giving up, you're giving up bulk and you're giving up maybe some inches, but you know, you know, athleticism may get, I, we found sometimes again, high school games, totally different than the, than the college game. I get that. But sometimes we found that the kid that we, that we were, we were giving away size and strength to quickness and athleticism could really frustrate them. And so sometimes a little smaller player on them actually worked to our benefit, but I'm not sure that works at the college game. But again, Garden is an interesting Garden's an interesting one here in terms of what she'll be able to do defensively. Because I, in my opinion, this is a kid that's going to be able to guard at least one through three, if not one through four. Now, again, I think a five's a stretch, but man, if you if you really yeah. needed it and you give her some help, you know, say you're going to double down while she's got, you know, it, I might take a chance. Not that I think um, this is a good alternative for a long spell but again if you're looking for people that need to come in and and help mckenzie get some rest you have ariel ariel wisney too um oh. is another person you could maybe put down down there on sonano yep. but um in other words we don't really know listeners thanks for the question <laughs> we have all kinds of possibilities wow. we think anything that personally i think anything i saw on the twitter conversation all all the all the people had really great valid points behind all of them. And I can be like, Oh yeah, I can see that. Or I could see that. So I, I still think um, I I'm really high on Chloe Moore McNeil right now. I mean, mm. I, I wasn't necessarily earlier in the off season, but as we've heard more and more coming out about her media days coming out, things that she is saying, things that coach is saying about her. I, I just feel like she's going to have a really great year. Other players are talking about her a lot as well too. So I, I'm really high on Chloe Moore McNeil and I fully expect her going out in that starting five. So anyway, that's where I'm at today. October 12th, ask me again in two weeks, I could change my mind. Or ask us <laughs> again on December right. or ask us again on December 12th after we've seen a month of games. Right. Exactly. So, um, you got anything else you want to add in on this? I they, they take that takes care of all of our questions from the community and the fans. Yeah, I I don't think so. I mean, I just think both of these teams have such great depth, great experience coming back from last year where they were co-Big Ten champions. So they are not obviously picked to be one and two or one and three, depending on the, the poll, because you know they're they're not good. <laughs> um, on on yeah. potential. They're they're not being picked they're on, not potential. on potential. That's true. They're on proven. Correct. capabilities as a team. And I think that's, again, my biggest concern with us coming in is that we just look fantastic on paper and our incoming new players look amazing, but that doesn't mean that they're going to come in and play amazing together. And um, where, I think that's important. I think the other thing you got to be ready for is for this team to look good, even, you know, and for stretches and play four or five games, look really good in the pre in the non-conference season, and then maybe go out and not necessarily lose, but look like, there's there's eight kids who don't know each other playing they you know and all right. of a sudden you know so they they win a game by five or six that we're all thinking they should have won by 15 or 20 but i think they're going to be a couple games like that early in the season but they're also going to be games where we're going to look like everything's clicking we're making threes like we haven't made in terry morin's career maybe since tyra bus played and we're just you know we're, we're clicking on all cylinders we're like wow you know but I believe oh, by the time Big Ten season comes around, this will be a group that will be pretty cohesive. I, I agree. I do, too. It just depends on how long it takes them to get there. Speaking of three-point shooting, did you hear about our women in the three-point shooting contest at Hoosier Hysteria? A little bit. I did not pay much attention to Hoosier Hysteria. No, I'm one of those. I'm one of those that's kind of like, you know, I've gone a couple times. It's fun, but it's really more about the recruits anymore. And the biggest roars, oh, at least last time I was there, were for the recruits who were in attendance instead of the actual players. So yeah. I didn't pay much attention to what was I coming mean, out. We I, did, which we haven't mentioned yet, which I know is coming up in your notes, but, you know, 
not on Sunday. So we had huge hysteria on Friday. And then on Sunday, we did get another commit um, right after. Was it a coincidence? Maybe. Maybe she was in attendance and it really kind of helped push her over the edge with the, the atmosphere and then maybe whatever she saw on Saturday. But what I was bringing up with it is just that. Um, so for those maybe who didn't watch, they had four four pairs of players, one, one man and one woman that paired up with each other on three point shooting contests. And the women by far carried the men into those final rounds. Um, the three of the four women outshot the men in the first four matchups. And then in most of the, the other ones until we got to the finals, um, the biggest surprise, Chloe Moore McNeil shot like the most in her first round out of anyone or made the most rather. Um, followed really closely by Sarah. So I, I think that three-point shooting is going to go from something last year where we've talked about it being an inconsistent um, hindrance to our you know more consistent victory to something that's going to be a strength for us this year. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't yet either, I, I would recommend the interview with Sydney um, Parrish was on Hoosier Hysterics this week. Really great interview there. She actually said the same thing. She said, yeah, go ahead and double Mac and then we'll shoot at three. Go ahead and you know double up on Grace. We'll shoot another three over your head. It'll be fine. So it was some of my favorite comments that she made in that interview. So yeah. I'm excited to see what our team can look like on the floor. I am too. I, and I think it will be a much improved three-point shooting team. And as you mentioned, IU got a commitment uh, this weekend from Faith Wiseman, a 6'3 junior out of Indian Creek High School in Trafalgar, Indiana. Um, Is she a 2024? Yeah, she, she's in the right? 24 class. She's in the yeah. 24 class. So she's still another year, you know, two years away. She's just basically beginning her junior year of high school. Uh, Indian Creek is a 3A school for our fans not familiar with it. 3A, the second largest class here in Indiana. And Indian Creek is near Franklin, a little, a little bit out in the country away from Franklin, uh, kind of in between Franklin and Martinsville, kind of in between south of Indianapolis. So that's kind of in that area where they're at. Yeah. Also, I want to let people know, and I, I know, Kathy, you've seen this as well and in some yes. of the community. Uh, I've Love been it. trying to keep updating on the, some of our Hoosier alums who are playing overseas in the community and on our Twitter feed. Uh, right now, we have, as far as I know, the three I'm following are uh, Alexa Golbe and Nick, Nicole Cardano-Hillary, who are both playing in Spain. Nicole played her second game today, but they hadn't posted the stats yet. Um, and then Amanda Cahill is playing yeah. in Luxembourg. And Lux and and Amanda is off to a very good start in the three games that she's played over there. She's averaging over 20 points a game. So I've been trying to do those updates in the on the Twitter feed and in the community. And by the way, if you aren't following us on Twitter, you can at, on Twitter. We are at DTWIUWBB, which is short for doing the work IU women's basketball. If you just go to Twitter and search doing the work uh, with a space in between doing space the space work you'll find us as well but you can follow us on twitter dtwiuwbb for news and info or you can check out the assembly call community page as well we're trying to put more content on there kathy had a really good question just yeah. yesterday or today about who you think if it's not iu who would you have picked to win the big 10 title uh, I believe was the question. If I, maybe I'm. No, I put a poll out there about where everyone thought Indiana would finish. No, that was it. That, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, it was poll, um, poll. Yeah, I think most, uh, the majority are second, um, followed very, very closely by first. So, yeah. yeah, Which, yeah and again, I think we're going to be right there as well. Uh, a programming note AC Radio is scheduled for their regular show tomorrow night at 9 Eastern. 8 Central. We will be back next week. We will be back the rest of the month here in October, um, next week and the week after. And next week, as we've mentioned already, we're going to talk about Nebraska and Maryland and their schedules and their, 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 their personnel. As we kind of think those will be the top five teams in the league between IU, Ohio State, uh, Iowa, um, uh, Maryland and Nebraska and, and Nebraska did get one. They got a little bit of bad news a week or two ago. One of their players got injured and will be out for the season. So yeah, that may, again, I think, I think Nebraska will be tough to play on the road. Yeah, I do too. They got most of their players back until to that um, lady went out. So that was too bad. Um, real quick to just uh, Richie in the chat said that Tyra bus is playing again overseas now. So I will look um, for her stats then. Yeah. Thanks Richie. Thanks Richie. Um, Kathy, it's time for last call. What what thoughts yep. do you want to leave with us tonight? Um, gosh, I mean, we've been talking for over an hour here, just the two of us. So do I have any thoughts left? Surprisingly, 
not many. Like if my husband's still listening, he's probably falling over from shock right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, it's just, we're what, about three weeks out. Um, our first exhibition game here is on November 4th. Um, the only thing for me that's tampering my excitement a little bit, um, I'll be gone um, for work the first two weeks overseas. Um, so I will miss the first two weeks of the season. So I'm really kind of bummed out about that. So um, I'll look forward to listening to the podcast after the games to get filled on on what I'm missing. But I'm still just so very, very excited for this team. I think they have a lot coming in, a lot to prove. Um, I think the two teams, Iowa and Ohio State and Indiana, for sure, are going to be right there. And it's going to be just such an exciting conference tournament. And then our, excuse me, season Nebraska and then um, Maryland getting thrown in there that we'll talk about next week. I'm looking forward to taking a deeper dive into them to see what they have coming back, who they've lost and how their pieces might be fitting together. I know Nebraska has a lot of play players, I believe anyway, coming back. I'm not sure about Maryland. So I I'm just excited to get, to get going and, and roll the ball out there and see what we get. Hey, yeah, I am too. And, and again, we're getting closer, closer and closer. Media days were this week for the Big Ten. Not saw a lot of people complaining, not players or coaches, but a lot of media and kind of out, you know, maybe people who were getting things from the coaches weren't very happy about having to go to Minneapolis for the uh, Big Ten media days this week. Yeah. Uh, and then somebody posted, well, just wait for a couple of years. They'll be in Los Angeles. Um, because when UCLA and USC come in, you know darn well they're going to try and appease everything for them. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. wait for it to go to Los Angeles. Some, and I think even Kevin Warren mentioned that possibly once you said USC and UCLA come into the league, they could host the Big Ten tournament any place in the country. Yeah, I yeah, saw so, that. Too. So be ready for it to go to Vegas. Be ready for it to go to the Forum or to mm -hmm. the Staples Center or whatever it's called now. It's not the Forum, but you know what I mean, right. where the Lakers yep. play. So well, this year is in Minneapolis for the women's tournament, which for me is great because it's not really that that big of a drive for me. So I'm, I'm hoping to see if I can um, get up there for the weekend's games anyway. Or maybe I'll take off work. Maybe I'll be all of a sudden sick on Friday or something. We'll see. There you go. <laughs> I did that a couple of times. Well, I shouldn't say sick, but I took a personal day to yeah. go see the big. No, I, I think I have some extra vacation days I could take around then. So, Kathy, enjoyed the show tonight. You got anything? Yeah, one last always. thing you want to add? I, I'm pretty no. much talked out. I think I'm done. Yeah. Which is amazing for me. <laughs> hey, if you guys want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is <laughs> youtube.com slash assembly call. Also make sure you sign up for our free IU hoops email newsletter. It comes out every Sunday. Ari usually is the one who's responsible for that. And Ari's always in the chat with us. Uh, and he also does some of our post-production work. Um, you, it comes out every Sunday and after every men's basketball game. Join for free today at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our new logos. You see tonight, we've actually changed. This is one of our logos that John has drawn up that you see in the upper right-hand corner if you're watching on the YouTube feed as I face the face the screen and and thank you guys for listening thanks to Homefield Apparel and everybody else who helps make this possible and we'll be back to talk IU hoops with you again soon until then keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers look around you can find cars like these on Auto Trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.